0: Listening to an episode of "Learned," the podcast, with your hosts, Dr. John Paul and Kevin Allred.
1: Hey, hey, everyone! Welcome back to another episode of "Learned." I am Dr. John Paul,
0: and I'm Kevin Allred.
1: Oh my gosh! And we are back on the mic once again. How are things with you, sis?
0: Oh, wonderful.
1: You're like considering everything that's going on in the world.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, everyone's emails. Hope to find you well. Whatever. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's
1: you're like neurotic. I'm, just I'm
0: neurotic. Let's
1: neurotic is a great word. Um, I think.
0: Uh, yeah. But I'm like just laughing about it now. So, not like laughing Baby. at the shitty things that are happening in the world, but just like realizing that. <laughs> we're in such a weird situation and stuck in your houses or some people are not or whatever is going on, you know? And so I'm just laughing now at everything because
1: what the fuck is next? Like, right. Right. I was going to say, I think it's, for me, it's weird because it's like, are we out of the corner? Are we out of Corona or not? It's, It's like, it feels like everyone was like, Oh Corona left. And it's like, why Why are people not, you know, like, I don't understand. Like, I sometimes I'll go out to just make runs to get what I need to hurry up and get home. And I'm thinking to myself, like, people, like, oh, everything's open. And I'm like, just right. because everything is open doesn't mean that corona left. But right. okay, girl. Well, like, all the... All
0: right. Not that people, like, forgot about it, but all the protests and things going on was, like, an important thing that, mm-hmm. you know, took over in the midst of being quarantined. So now it's like, oh... Not that we're not protesting anymore; like they're still going, but it's like, oh, and then remember how there's also this disease that's pandemic, yeah, Yeah. pandemic at the same time. So, Mm
1: -hmm. well, yeah, well, um, you know, so I'm not gonna say we're we're not gonna do the whole how are you, how are things because (laughs) we all know that we're all kind of just like where I for me the work that I've been using I know I get I get emails and I get texts from people being like hey girl how are you and I'm like girl I'm just maintaining I think maintaining is the word mm. that I can use to really help me like feel like at least I'm still somewhat okay um, but I, I definitely feel like maintaining is the word that I don't know, and I can't speak for you, but I know for me that's the word that I've been using is I am just maintaining. Mm. Um, but we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna get started with this week. Um, so for our syllabus, we are talking about this concept of like we're 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 so there are multiple pieces and multiple thoughts. And I came to Kevin prior to this uh podcast or this episode, and I said, Hey, so You know, I've seen people on Twitter post these whole things about stop going to your black friends Mm -hmm. and asking them if they're okay, specifically white people. Um, I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, how can I be a better white person to my black friends? And I wanted to kind of center this week's conversation on that. Right. Knowing that I feel like Kevin is one of probably the most well-educated and most I don't know I don't really even know how to say it. I just feel like they get they get it in terms of like I don't have to really explain anything to Kevin. And I was like let me have this conversation with Kevin because I feel like if I have it with anyone else I'm going to be upset. Um and so really just this 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 notion of like what is it that white people can truly do and how can they do it well in this time knowing that a lot of the problems that we're facing were created by white people. Mm. Um, And so having someone who has written about it, having someone who has, you know, spoken about it, you know, and knows it and understands it very well, just really be able to have this real conversation. So I don't know where your mind is in all of this, Kevin, but I know that that, for me, that's where I kind of wanted to begin. Like, you know, what's the problem and how do we talk about it, you know, in the right way? So. Yeah. Well, I don't think that, I think
0: part of the beginning of the problem is that we relegate it to moments like this rather than just uh-huh. being, like, all the time. I don't know. those All those um tweets or whatever, you know, you get both sides. It's like, now's a great time to check in on your black friend or now's a great time to check in on the strong friend you have that, you know, always holds it together and checks on you, da-da-da-da-da. Um, and then on the flip side, it's like, maybe... It's like extra stuff to unload on them. Like checking in is one thing, but then a lot of people want to unload other things they're feeling, and I don't know. Oh, it just okay. it reminded me of a few. Month, I don't. I can't tell time anymore because it feels like <laughs> both a week and a year at the same time all the time. So in my mind, it's like a few months ago people were laughing about uh, something on Twitter where. Someone had tweeted out, like, a script to follow where you, like, check in on your friend. And if you don't have the space, it's like, I'm at emotional capacity. Like, people were kind of poking fun at it, which I was, too, because it's kind of... Like, if you need scripts to talk to your friends, it's like... Right. <laughs> are you friends? Um, <laughs> Tea. T. It's just weird to me that we need scripts. But... So I think, for one thing... That people are looking for scripts right now means that they don't want to deal with the larger problem. They just want to deal with it piecemeal as a thing that they need to check in with their black Mm -hmm. friend and feel like they've done something
1: Um, right. And I think, so that's a good point because I think what you're alluding to or what you're talking about is this idea of the guilt. And I think that this is something that a lot of white people have not come to terms with. Um, Is this idea that it is okay to feel guilty But this idea of like not acting out of guilt, right? Like Mm. this idea of like, if the only time you want to check in, because I've talked to black folks about this. I've had a friend recently tell me that she had this, you know, she hasn't talked to this person in four years and he was very problematic in the the relationships that they had back, you know, back when they were in college. And then he texts her and was like, hey, I just want to know if you're okay. And she's like, I don't give two shits about you or this conversation. Like, don't don't text me because you feel bad yeah. about what's happening in the world. So I think that that's the thing. Like, it's okay to feel guilty, but if you're only acting out of guilt, then that's where the problem begins. Yeah. You know?
0: And if you're searching, mm-hmm. like, your contacts four years back to find a Black friend to, <laughs> to um, reach out to, like, it's probably but then again it's guilt like you also don't have to reach out to anyone you just need to like carry yourself in such a way that it you're like trying to put something good into the world um if you don't if you can't like immediately think of a black friend that you're close to like it's you don't need to go to like the girl you had coffee with once 2 years ago like they don't want to hear from you no <laughs> Not to dismiss, you know, your impact on people But they don't want to hear from you It's not like a close friendship And that's okay too You don't need to feel I don't know, I feel like some white people want to prove How down they are by listing all the black friends they have But like you could be just as problematic With all of those friends Versus someone has a really close relationship with one black person And they talk all the time And they don't need to like check in in this way so it's it's not an issue of i don't even know what to call that like representation in your friend group i don't know it makes me think of that shimmying white kappa guy that we've talked about before (laughs) it's yeah it's like at some point it feels like a performance to show you care by being able to name all of those people but do you really have close friendships with them um
1: yeah yeah and I think it's, 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 it's interesting because you saying that close friendship piece, right? Like, so even me as a black person, right? When my husband stops and he says, babe, are you okay? It's different than when someone texts me and says, you know, a random person that I might know in passing texts me and says, hey, are you okay? Um, it, it just comes from a different place. When you text me and say, hey, sis, are you good? it's different and so i think what we're really talking about here and i think this is kind of where i was hoping to go with this conversation so i'm glad it's going this way it's really thinking about this idea of like you can't fix the problem if you're not invested in having like committed close relationships like like so yeah. so i i'll say it like this so thinking about this right like i know people who are friends of mine, whether they be like through like the industry or whether they just be like people I know just in life that I've, I've connected with and I'll scroll through their Instagram and I'll see that there's, they have not one black person in any of their pictures. Like I'll see them at like weddings and it's just nothing but white people. I'll see them at family functions and it's nothing but white people. I'll see them at like company work events and stuff. And I'm going, I thought you, Mm -hmm. nothing but white people. And so then you text me and you say, hey girl, are you good? Can, is there anything I can do? I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you can be invested in having more black people, more people of color specifically in your life and that it, so you can show that you're committed mm. to understanding our walks of life. Because that's what that tells me. When you don't have anybody close to you like me, not saying that black people mm. have to do that, but what I'm saying is is that when me and you talk about things, Kev, like we have real down-to-earth conversations about the ways that we see the world. Mm -hmm. And I can tell that you actively are interested in in making sure that I'm good and that I'm covered and that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. I think that's been the biggest thing that's been irritating me in all of this, right? And that's why it feels so performative because you have people who are coming Mm -hmm. out of the blue that have never said anything about black issues ever on their platform going, I support black people. And I'm going, but do you really? Mm -hmm. Because, if you did, you would know that the way it's showing up right now is performative,
0: yeah, and I mean
1: there mm-hmm. there's only so much you
0: can do if, in the past, well like and let's not downplay that some people might really be having having an awakening right now, right, maybe this and is their okay. moment, yeah, and that's okay, you know mm-hmm. it's 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 wild that. It's taken this long, but, you know, everyone has a different story, blah, blah, blah. So some people may be having that awakening. And it really is like, how do you go from nothing to something without seeming Mm. performative, especially today? Um, So there is a little bit of give that I want to, like, be um, mindful of when I see people do this. But you also see all these, you know, the real kicker is when you see all these companies and... Corporations, or like Leah Michelle, Black Lives Matter, huh. and then the one Black life she, the one Black woman she knows <laughs> is like, wait, hold on, just a sec, <laughs> hold up, didn't yeah. you say you wanted to shit in my wig? Um, like, right, 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 <laughs> and so that is when <laughs> it becomes even more obvious that like you don't give a shit, you're just trying to cover Mm -hmm. your ass or these companies like, didn't you just fire the only black employee you had or, you know, Mm -hmm. so all of that coming out has been like this kind of reckoning that we've seen in a new way. Um, But I know it probably is hard for like, for example, a white person who has just had this awakening, they didn't think of it before, for whatever reasons, but they are thinking of it now. And that's great. They want to be more involved. Um, and so your first thing that you say is like, well, why haven't you ever said anything before? You know, mm-hmm. I should have like, I guess the right response then is like, I should have, but I'm just finally starting to wake up. Cause everyone has to wake up to it. Not everyone. Some people are born aware of it, um, especially if you're experiencing it, but most every white person is going to have to wake up to the realities of racism at some point. And mm-hmm. it's better to happen now than never or now than two years from now, like the sooner the better. So right. it's just about trying to find it. And this is kind of connected to what I was we were talking about before we started recording. And I was like, you know, everyone wants to pass out the anti-racist reading list right now. And, you know, what are the books we need to be reading and what are the like I'm all for reading books and I love a syllabus and I love making a reading list. But it seems mm. like also kind of performative like what five books do i need to read to be an expert on well no that's not how it works like you're gonna have an awakening practice yeah and you're gonna have an Mm -hmm. awakening in whatever way you're going to have it and maybe it is through reading a book but that one book then is not the end of that so i know lauren michelle jackson i believe is her name wrote a really good piece about i think it was for vulture um like the problem with anti-racist reading lists because then you're only seeing the text as a response to racism which in many ways these texts are but like tony morrison the bluest eye right there's so much more to tony morrison than mm-hmm. read this to learn how to be anti-racist it's literature as well and it's about living and you can mm-hmm. analyze it from a literary perspective so it's not just that if you talk about a book like how to be an anti-racist yes that's a book mm-hmm. geared towards this but i've also mm-hmm. been tweeting a lot lately like there's no step by step things that you, boxes you can check that prove that mm-hmm. you are now on this path it's like the performance of it there's no way to do that there's only I mean, really what it comes down to is trying to understand someone else's experience. And if that's that hard for you or you need like the step by step instructions, I feel like mm-hmm. you're not you're already starting off from a a, a, a false place, like not a real right. open and honest right. place. Um, mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot of uh, Audrey Lord interviews lately and like. A new book came out with some of her like teaching transcripts and mm-hmm. she has this concept of just like living self-consciously which is i mean this concept exists in everything and like spirituality and buddhism and like living self-consciously being aware of how your actions impact the world and like that to me is a better example of how to be anti-racist than mm. the book white fragility by robin d'angelo like <laughs>
1: well so now go ahead Talk
0: about it. I mean, that book, and it's the, you know, it's the number one recommended. And I think it made it back to number one on the New York Times bestseller list this last week when everyone's books were all these anti, which was cool to see, like, literally the top 10 books were all these books about racism and how to fight it, which is cool. But I think that book kind of sucks. Like, I don't. (laughs) I've read it, so I can say that. Um, Mm hmm. I don't to me it's a very much a pat yourself on the back kind of book. Like, well, now mm. that I've read White Fragility, I understand. And so I'm just gonna go have coffee with my girlfriends and do yoga again. Right. It's it, uh huh. It's like I read it. Or so, even
1: appropriate black people. Yeah. Yeah, I so. don't know.
0: There's I mean, I could go mm-hmm. on and on about this book, and and I'm not saying I'm actually still saying read it. Like, read it and understand take the good parts and 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 recognize what's not right like in any book i would say that that's another thing i'm learning more and more from reading more audrey lord she's like oh this is like mostly shit but there's this one useful piece that you can take out of it so take Mm. what's of use that's what marginalized people have had to do throughout history is Mm -hmm. take what we can use and leave the rest um so do that with with white fragility but there's this story where she's you know she comes off as very much the down white girl white lady um sociology professor or diversity prac she like does diversity and inclusion stuff now for 20 years back before it was you know back Popular. in the, back in the old days yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and she's it's her and like two black women that she works with and a new woman has come in a black woman and they're all having a conversation she makes some off-the-cuff joke about one of her co-colleagues' hair. Like, and they all laugh. It's not, like, an offensive joke. It's a joke she's telling because she thinks she has a relationship with black women where she can tell this joke. So, mm-hmm. whatever. It turns out the new woman um, that they don't know well is kind of taken, is offended by it, and someone comes to her later and, and tells her this. And so she goes through this whole overwrought, um... You know, she's trying to use her own actions as teaching moments, but she goes through it so in this overwrought way where she then reaches out to the black woman who's been offended. This is kind of like reaching out to the black friend, like maybe they just don't want to hear it right now. Mm -hmm. But the way she phrases it is so empty of emotion that it really makes me question, like, what are your motives? Because she says, I can't remember if she sends an email or she makes a phone call. I kind of feel like it's worse if she's on the phone, but um the way she phrases it is like i was told that you know something i said really offended you and i'm i apologize for that would you please allow me the opportunity to repair the racism i have perpetrated against you <laughs> right like <sighs> who talks like that mm-hmm. number one it's so academic and devoid of feeling that i don't believe you like there's something about fe- honesty and feeling and emotion that mm-hmm. has to be involved in this and I know you get into other trouble spots when it's all so emotional but how do you talk about racism from an unemotional
1: place right right
0: that's I guess that's my problem with her book because she's very I mean she goes in on white people in some good ways like how white women use their tears to you know all of this stuff is really these, important
1: stuff but it is yeah yeah it is, but I think that you you're mentioning something that I think is really important. And I think it's important for us to understand, like you you've gotta be able to put yourself and this is something that I've been screaming for the last couple of weeks, you know, as people reach out to me and I've had really tough conversations with some of my white friends, specifically the ones that I am close to, mm-hmm. um, you know, about how because they're asking them, you know, they're asking me how do I navigate this without fucking up and I'm having to remind folks that a big part of this is fucking up like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make big boo-boos in order for you to be able to fully understand it because I think there's there's something that I've been saying and something that I've and and even when you're talking about this woman who's doing this anti quote-unquote anti-racist work you know and saying this is how you do it right there is no I'm I'm a believer that there is no lesson plan that you can provide someone right there's no lesson plan that you you can't wake up one day and say you know what I know I'm racist I know I have a lot of racist beliefs so I want to undo that and then I go okay so here read (laughs) this go go do this and then you know say two Hail Marys and then boom the racism is gone like I I, that that's not how it works even for me it is extremely contextual and you have to think about it too from this idea of like where when we say do the work, I think it's the, the work for me is personal. And I think that's the thing. I think there's a lot of a lot of white people specifically who feel like they actually have to be hands on doing something in order for them to be able to be anti-racist. And I'm going, yes, there are things you can do. But in this moment, I'm more focused on what are you doing from an emotional point mm. to make sure that the things that you've, you've learned or even the stuff that like wh- where, and I, I, I'm going to keep saying this, where does your unlearning begin? Right? Like I'm looking at people and I'm going, you've learned all of these systems. You know how these systems work. You know how they're perpetuated and you know how you benefit from them. Right. So my bigger thing becomes, instead of calling me and saying, what can I do for you to make you feel good in this moment? Fuck out of here with all that. Go to your job and say, hey, um, I'm going to quit if we don't hire some black folks, you know, or I don't feel comfortable with the fact that. We, we've been working here for seven years and, um, uh, we've never brought in a black person mm. to, 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 actually like do like a consulting gig or you get what I'm saying? Like stuff like that is the kind of shit that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see you actively taking your privilege and your and the opportunities to make those big steps in the, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's just kind of where I'm at. I'm sorry. I don't know. I know I'm all over the place, but I'm just, Well, it's fair yeah. It's, it...
0: The way you just phrased it, then it like strikes me as very paternalistic, with mm-hmm. like going to an individual black person and being like, "What can I do for you right now?" Like, right, if you're friends and you have relationships, yeah, of course, friends can do things for each other. Like, oh God, I have this, you know, I I can't deal with this phone call right now. Like, I don't know. There's just you know, little things you can do for right, each other, or right, 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 or God, I I have my bank account's low and I, can I borrow 20 bucks for dinner? Like, something like that, right? But it's so paternalistic to be like, what can I do for you about systemic racism right now? Like, (laughs) right? If you you say it out, if you finish, if you say the quiet parts or the unspoken parts out loud, it just sounds ludicrous. Like, what can I do for you right now to help alleviate this? I guess we're back to the devoid of feeling Robin D'Angelo thing. What can I do for you right now to alleviate systemic racism's uh, effects on you on your mental health right now like you can't there's nothing you can do but you can do small things or big things that contribute to a world in which systemic racism doesn't put so much weight on people like going to your job and saying something about how there's no why are there no black people in this department or you know if you're on a TV show and you're writing about black are you writing for black characters why are there no black writers here um Mm -hmm,
1: i'm -hmm. not saying
0: you have to you know i mean yeah it it could be great if you lead something up to the fact that like you quit if this isn't dealt with but it's like there's also smaller things that you can do that build to that but there's Mm -hmm. nothing you can do for your black friend that alleviates the weight of systemic racism in a, mm-hmm, in any conceivable mm-hmm. way it's that we all have to be doing things and putting good into the world. I don't know. I was just trying to change the frame of it like I've been also tweeting about how there's no lesson plan there's no one two, three, and then boom, you've done it you know read mm-hmm. read white fragility, text your black friend, and then uh. Uh, go to a protest boom we've done it like that's Mm -hmm. because then it it also insinuates that there's a that it's over it's never over either
1: right and i think that yes that's the big i love that you just said that because that's honestly where my mind has been for these last two weeks it's like you know there's a part of me when people come to me and say hey dr higgins how are you that basically said like i really want to scream at them like you know excuse my language but nigga where was you at a year ago, when when I was when when I was going through this shit, right? Like, so there's that part of me that that really wants to scream that, but then there's also this part of me that ultimately says, like, I need you to not just be committed to it while these marches are happening in these last two weeks. Like, I need to know that you the, the, that that in some way, shape, or form, somewhere in your life. You have been committed to, or that you are working towards, trying to figure out how do we make sure that this stuff is long term. Mm. And that's why I think I've been so mad at some of these companies that have been doing this whole like, oh, like, oh, yes, Black Lives Matter. And we recognize that Black people are affected by, you know, institutional racism. So we want to make sure that we give a million dollars to blah, 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 Mm. blah, blah. Okay, fine. But I would respect your company and your organization more. If you said to me, I understand that this stuff has happened before even this company was, you know, instituted. And so this is going to be our action plan for the next couple Mm. of years of how we're going to make sure that institutional racism doesn't affect our business. Right. That's the kind of stuff I want to see, because I'm going, okay, you're committed to the long haul. You're committed to, and that's, and even if my friends mes- messaged me and said, Hey, Dr. Higgins, like, I'm not telling you to go out and get a second master's in like, <laughs> and like race, you know, right. and, and race studies or whatever. But what I'm saying is, is that if the only time that you're messaging me is during the bad part, then that's where the, that, then that's when you become a part of the problem. Yeah. I need you trying to figure out how you can help me to make sure that I'm good and in 2022, in 2023, and 2024, right? Like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for Um, when, I, when, when people are reaching out to me. Like, what are you doing to make sure that I'm good for these next couple of years that are coming up? Mm-hmm. You know? So, that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, and there's no, back to the reading list, like, the assumption is, like, if you finish the reading list, like, then you've got it. Like, you've got your knowledge. Mm-hmm. But that's not true either you can't ever stop I don't know how long I mean I can't remember the first time like I'm a white kid from Utah right I don't know I didn't know many black people growing up but for some reason I started reading I don't remember if the first book I ever read by a black woman was The Color Purple or Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston but it's somewhere around 15 16 years old and then like I became interested in reading about other experiences that weren't like mine and I've never stopped doing that. So whether mm. it's whether it's books by black women and it wasn't books about anti-racism, right? It wasn't or like Angela Davis's autobiography. It wasn't which those books do deal with an, like tangentially, mm. deal with not tangentially, but implicitly deal with um anti-racism and the effects of racism, but it's not like the book is not called how to be, how to squash racism or something like that. It's just, it's, it's learning about, you know, reading Toni Morrison, you learn how racism functions in society through these characters, mm-hmm. but the story isn't all about that necessarily. Right. And that to me is the best way to learn how to understand other people and then how to, and then what you are... What white people or what whiteness is creating that is so damaging and detrimental to those people because you see it
1: Mm, in literature mm.
0: even if you think about doing it through literature I just think when we look for the books that just tell us how to be an anti-racist then we're looking for an easy answer that doesn't exist
1: Mm, mm.
0: and that we aren't going to keep doing the work um, beyond that and so I don't know
1: You and you bring up something that I think, and then and and so we're going to move the conversation a little bit forward in just a second. But I think you bring up something that is really important for folks to know that are listening to this. You know, I'm really going to push this episode because I really want folks to know like, we're not giving you again, this is not a lesson plan to tell you what you can and can't do you know, to be a better white person, but I definitely think that there's a lot of nuggets here that people can take away and start their own learning process. But what I want to say is I think that this part of of this conversation around and I say this conversation not just here on this podcast, but I say this conversation from a global standpoint is hard. And I know a lot of white people who are going, well, I don't know what to do and this is hard and this makes me feel this way and blah 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 blah. And I'm going, yes. It's supposed to be hard because that's how white supremacy has created the structure in the first place. They've created it so that way it's complicated to get rid of, right? But also in my mind, I'm I'm a believer that nothing, that, when it comes to undoing, you know, years and years and years of structural oppression. I'm not going to say racism, structural oppression. Yes, it's complicated because there's so many different layers that have been tacked on each year that we get to a certain point. So my point becomes this. If you think that sitting down and reading a book in two days is going to be able to teach you everything you need to know that I've experienced in 35 years of being a black queer person, no, like it, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be complicated. It's supposed to be something that you constantly lean in. I've been doing, like, I always think about it this way. Like, like a lot of, I, I, and I've said this before, I, I went live a couple days ago and I said this, I said, you know, after an incident that I had with Angelica Ross in 2016, you know, and I say incident in the sense of we had a conversation and and it basically her, was her calling me out on my, my, some of the thoughts and concepts that I had in mind were transphobic. She called me out on it. Uh, I was like, okay, I get it. Now, as a queer black person who does consider themselves non-binary, I wake up every single day thinking to myself, how can I not be sexist to black women? and how can I make sure that trans women are always at the center of the of the work that I do, meaning that I, that every step, everything that I do, Comes back to making sure that trans women and black women know, trans black women and and black women specifically, know that they are protected and loved by me as a cisgender male. That's the kind of stuff that, and it's hard. It is hard. And so I have to recognize that there are going to be moments where I'm not comfortable. There are going to be moments where certain trans women, specifically trans black women, don't trust me. And I have to be okay with that. And I think that that's what I want white people to hear and know in these moments, too, of like, this is hard because, yes, being a trans or white, being a trans or black person or whatever, being marginalized is hard. So that's just my thought on that.
0: Yeah, well, and it's and same thing for me, like as a white guy who has who has always wanted to study and research the work of black women, um, I get shit all the time some mm-hmm. warranted, others not warranted. Like you never, you know, you you have to weed through the noise of it and right. hear the parts that are real. Like because people mm-hmm. aren't going to trust me, but if I can if I can use black women's work to get other people, white people to read it, um that's important to me. Um it's important to me to show uh that if you're interested in whiteness and you want to dismantle racism that you don't just look to white voices even though that's my voice, right? I I want you to pass it. I want to pass along all of these black women's voice, right? I do the reading list too. We're not saying don't read or don't... But don't think that's the the only only step. Um, Yeah. And when I do these lists, I try and, you know... I put one out a couple weeks ago that was like three pages of work by black women. That's about black life. Like it's not about how to be an anti-racist, but it's about the experiences of black people in this country. And that's how you're going to learn to be anti-racist when you begin to understand those experiences. Um, Yeah. And you're going to be uncomfortable for a white person. You're going to be uncomfortable. Or if you're not like, as you were saying, um, you know, if you want to center black trans women but you're not a black trans woman that's going to be uncomfortable it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it it just means you should do it thoughtfully respectfully carefully um -hmm. all of those things and that's stuff i'm always thinking about you know well we're not going to listen to this white boy talk about alice walker's work right you know and i'm 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 not talking about the work from an experiential point of view because I can never know that or Beyonce's work for that matter. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't know what it's like to be Beyonce. No, I don't know what it's like to be Beyonce, but I've read all these books and I think this theme from Beyonce's song is similar to this theme from an Audrey Lord essay. And what do we get if we think about them together? Right. So it's always right. finding your distance, finding the correct distance and the correct proximity that you
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Need to balance These things and I'm not saying anything I'm doing Is like this great uh, Answer to solving racism But um, Part of why I've Been in education is to make other people Aware of things and Or to Mm -hmm. try and make people aware of things And so yeah Go read the white fragility book but more Importantly read books that black women write About their lives and their Experiences
1: right um right
0: because you're gonna learn more from that than uh Mm. the fake steps on how to be an anti-racist you know
1: yeah so i guess you know so before we move on to our next segment i think the the question that i have for you that i'm kind of left with is you know if if so if you are a white person who considers yourself to be close to a lot of black people and you're really scared and you're worried that in this moment you may say or do something wrong that could potentially, you know, fuck up said relationships, right? Um or even maybe I could just even ask it for you like, Kevin, what have you been doing for your black friends in this moment? Like how have you been showing up for them? In a way that's authentic and doesn't come across as performative. You know, I've been.
0: <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm doing anything right or wrong, right? I'm not, mm. but I'm not doing anything. Yeah, I'll send a text. Like, hope you're doing okay. I'm not. I'm not trying to ask anything of people. Um, I'm. I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing. I've. I'll, I always do on social media, which is share stories. I think are important. Um, amplify voices, also tweet about this shit, but that's like nothing different from my regular, um, I I don't think my regular kind of behavior, um, on Twitter, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a solitary person. So a lot of, you know, I text back and forth with friends, but not a ton anyway. So to do so now (laughs) would feel inauthentic to me and, and performative, um, but i would also say like if you're a white person that is friends with a lot of black people and you're really worried about how you're coming off in your interactions with them that maybe you're not as close of friends with them as you think you are
1: hey that's real (laughs) no it's real
0: Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. so i think i mean i think that that worry and that guilt and that uh, whatever you're feeling can be used that's my thing how can you use it constructively how can we use, I said it earlier, but it's like, mm-hmm. how can you use whatever it is that you're feeling to do, to, to create something better or good. Um, and if that worry mm-hmm. and guilt is there for you, I think it's, it's not about that other person. It's about you. Guilt is always about yeah. you. So thinking about emotions and how they move us and uh, what they turn us towards. Um, guilt is always an emotion that's about you. So mm-hmm. I, like, mm-hmm. I write, like I write, A lot about emotion, uh, some about emotion in the like, uh, in the Beyonce book, if Beyonce singing about jealousy, what kind of emotion is jealousy? Does it go out towards someone else or is it really about how you're feeling yourself, right? It's an intern. It's a directed back at you, Mm -hmm. just like guilt. So Mm -hmm. ask yourself, why are you so worried? Is it because you haven't built the friendship to a place where you can feel more free with that person or you know Mm
1: -hmm,
0: what's mm -hmm. going on that to me is a more useful question than what can i say to my black friend right now um
1: yeah
0: that Mm -hmm. that will help them because really you want to help yourself feel better not help them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean this i mean that's like it's not a great answer it sucks and it it means that a, a bunch of white people need to do more internal work myself included Mm -hmm. like if i'm feeling guilty that i haven't texted a a friend of mine who's black or you know whatever what is that really about is that about me feeling that i haven't built a relationship with that person that's more than just like surface Um, yeah which is also something you're gonna have to deal with because it goes way deeper than you know what can i say right now mm-hmm. to my black friends it's like what can i change about my life right now to mm-hmm. to help create a better world t- tomorrow and yeah. the next day not that mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah no and i think that's real i think that's real real mm. um i think that folk and i think that's something we kind of have to sit with like we have to sit with like this is the moment where we do have to ask ourselves, what type of relationship or what type of friendships do we have with the people who are most affected? And I even think for myself, like I don't want to sit here and make it seem like, well, white people need to start bending down to me because that's not not what this is. This is a conversation of like, even for me, like I had an interview with a friend yesterday who is a, a black trans woman who is out on the front lines. And I had to come and had a reckoning with myself about how am I supporting her and other Black trans women who are doing the work, right? Like, I have to have a reckoning every day that how do I support my other friends who are also on, you know, also working and, and doing this hard work, right, to eradicate racism or structures of oppression. And so I think all of us, we have to, I think what I'm really, I guess, coming to this conversation today, like, I, I wanted this to be a conversation of like, this is the time for us to step back and do a lot of, not only just some self-evaluation, but also for us to have our own reckonings with ourselves and about the ways that we moved and navigated life and how privilege Mm -hmm. has worked for us. And now understanding that, you know, now that black people are saying, I'm oppressed and I'm tired of it and I want something to change. If you are going to say that you are wanting to be a part of that change, that we really need you to do something. Something my manager said that I thought was so, big for me this week that I had never heard a white person frame it as, but I was like, yes. She was like, you know, I, 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 I it's not about how many diversity conversations you have. Mm-hmm. It's not about how many equity conversations you have. It's not about DEI work because, you know, me and you in some capacity, we both do DEI work. But I think what it really comes down to is change behavior. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like change behavior for me is what I want out of all of this. I want companies to higher and treat us better i want my friends to actively say why do i not have black close Like, why are none of my friends that are close to me black like why is it that i i feel uncomfortable with saying the word black right like what like that's the kind of stuff that i think i'm 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 looking for as a black person is for folks to say i'm having my own reckoning with all mm-hmm. of these things and now i want to change my behavior so now let me go figure out what that change behavior looks like for me yeah that's where I'm at.
0: And so. white people don't run out and, like, try and find a black friend just to, you know, like, feel like you have someone. You know, you still mm-hmm. need to build relationships that are based on common interests and goals and thoughts and whatever. You can't just, like, run out and go get a black friend. That's, again, just as paternalistic and terrible as all this other stuff. And it mm-hmm. means you only want the the visibility of it, like... Of, right. of having that friend so that you can quick put up an Instagram photo that shows well look, well look, I, you know I was at right. this party right, with right, a right, black right. person last week so well we're not going to parties now because we're still um, we're supposed you to know. be
1: quarantined but, but you know, yeah because that's it.
0: just as you still need to build the foundation of a relationship it can't be based on well I'm white and you're black and we're trying to overcome like that's not, yeah, and it, it still is important to have relationships with all different kinds of people, but don't do it in such a, um, yeah, what's the word, um, fetishistic, fetishizing kind yeah. of way.
1: Yeah, right, 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 and that's what I, I, I want people to be mindful of is that this a lot of this can feel and a lot of this can be very very feti- fetis- just... fetish <laughs> fetish if that's the word fetishy. yeah just it's fetishy. fetish-y yeah, it can be very fetishy in the sense of like oh you know let me make my let me rub my nipples to make myself feel better about <laughs> you know what i mean like like let me rub, let me no. rub my titty nipples <laughs> to to feel better about the the other thing who knew this is that's what
0: it feels like we'd end up with nipples rubbing nipples
1: yeah but you know i'm crazy you can't base
0: a friendship off of that like we're not friends because i'm white and you're black and we want to beat racism we're friends because we both went through this common thing and like you i can't it brought us together we both are like oh shit you got fired for this kind of similar thing i just got fired for a similar thing and like we started talking and then we have all these common interests and like that's how a friendship or any relationship comes about it can't be mm-hmm. based on these very mm-hmm. surface you know well i only have you know i need an asian friend now to fill out my united colors <laughs> of benetton uh, no! friendship circle. <laughs> like that can't be it
1: no and, and yes and that that, and that I want to make sure that I make that very clear that that's not what no, I, I know I know say, I, know. I think, <laughs> yeah I think it's just it's one of those things like I said if like I just love that you say well, like, we have to spell it out for
0: white people because they might right be right people of my complexion might uh think it's just you know it's never the easy yeah. answer you got to go deeper keep going deeper <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, you do have to go deeper. And that's so that's really, you know, that that's really what I wanted folks to get out of this convo was that. We, we need folks to be willing and ready to go deeper. And I need folks being willing and ready to, you know, when we say do the work, this is what the work is. It's listening to these podcasts, checking in with your friends and asking them like, hey, you know, I I have this question. I'm doing, I, I'm studying this or I'm examining this and I'm thinking about this. Can you help me figure out where I need to go with this? Because that's ultimately the thing that, I, I, that, I, that I'm all about. I always tell people, if a white person messages me and says, hey, you know, can you put together a list of books for me to read because I want to become better at X, Y, and Z? I'm going to be like, bitch, like, I, what, what? Like, I'm no, I'm not doing that work for you. But if you come to me and you say, hey, so I looked at Kevin's reading list and i want to make sure that i read the best books on this list have you seen any of these books then there's a different conversation because yeah. now you're telling me that you want then, to do the yeah. work and that you want to make sure that you're doing it the right way so i always appreciate when i have friends come to me and say i'm doing this work and i want to make sure that this work is being yeah. done in the right way oh let's talk for days yeah you but come, when it, it comes you've done yeah
0: you've taken a first step and the first step mm-hmm. isn't the reach out email like you could say, "Oh, hey, I read Audre Lorde's Uses of uh of Uses of Anger and I love that essay. Do you have any Are there others like who else writes about anger like she does?" You know, that's a that's a Right. shown you've been invested in some way and you're asking for yeah. some like already kind of curtailed recommendation that's not just like, "Hey, can you tell me which book solves racism so I can read it quick?"
1: Yeah. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And, and that's really what it that's really what it comes down to Um, is really, really folks being like, I, I know that I'm going to mess up in this yeah. and I know that I might not do this well, but I definitely want to make sure that I don't cause more pain or more hurt so that's pretty much all that we have in terms of the syllabus this week um we're gonna get we're gonna move over to um what i like to call our new set new-ish segment of pop culture moments um and so i just wanted to know is there any albums shows things that you're watching right now that's kind of holding you over with everything going well, on i
0: was really laughing about this isn't holding me over but it's like mindless bullshit um <laughs> i was laughing because like half the Vanderpump Rules cast got fired for being racist.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I saw that.
0: <laughs> I was like, you're going to have to fire the other half, too. But it's a start. And then take Andy Cohen. Yeah. But um, that made me laugh. Um, Chloe and Holly put out a new album that I've been listening to. I
1: was going to mention that. How? So what are your thoughts on that? I mean,
0: I don't want to... Um, seem disrespectful to beyonce's legacy and parkwood entertainment i've always enjoyed I I, i've always like liked chloe and holly but they've never it's it's uh-huh. just like their music isn't it doesn't like hit me in the in the feelings uh-huh. right but it's they're very mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. talented i love the harmonies they create um i've enjoyed this album they're never gonna be like yeah. my top favorite um correct you know. On my list, but it it, it was a uh-huh. nice album. I've also been listening to a lot of old, um, uh, protesty like folk music, like Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie and Odetta, and all of those mm-hmm. singers that um and and folk singers that I was really into when I was in high school and learning how to play the guitar. Um, uh huh. And then been reading, go, returning to a lot of Audre Lorde and Alice Walker, which is kind of making me feel i'm feeling that a lot of answers and questions that we're having right now are also the questions they were asking um mm-hmm. and so that's mm-hmm. been giving me a lot of hope i guess which yeah. wasn't something i've had a lot of lately so what have you been yeah, listening feel to it. or
1: so what and watching too so i've been i think for me and my partner we've been watching a lot of uh 90 day fiance <laughs> which is terrible yeah. But it's nice because it's one of those things where I guess you know when you can feel like you can escape your own mess to to, to look at someone else's and then you see other people's messes bigger yeah. than yours. You could just laugh right. at it. So ninety day fiance. I don't know if you watch it, but I love that show. Down honey, and this season. So so let's. So I'm gonna just talk about it real quick and then I'm gonna move on. Um. They have two that are happening right now. There's the happily ever after, and then there's oh, right. the ninety days. Like thirteen the other ways, right? There's eighteen different iterations of that damn show. So yes, but yes. So the happily ever after, uh, you know, there there are things about the happily ever after, the happily ever after, where I'm like, man, whatever. <laughs> but it's the other way that keeps taking me down in terms of like people going to these random countries. And like, so you have like one queer guy who's getting ready to go live with his partner in San Felipe, Mexico. You have (laughs) one woman who literally just went to like, she went to somewhere in the Middle East to be with her partner and something pops off the, the next episode, have no idea what happened. But then you have another person who is going back to the Middle East after this guy catfished her three times. It's just, it's a mess. And so it's very fun to watch. But then there's also part of me that's like, how are these people affording to keep going back and forth to the Middle East and things? So there's that. Um, So yeah, so if you don't watch 90 Day Fiancé and you want to be entertained, watch it. It'll give you your life. Um, I'm also just watching a lot of TV, um, a lot of uh, tuning into, like I just finished Insecure that was Mm. good this season was actually in my opinion one of the best seasons that they had and then in terms of music i went i've been going back so recently this week what's been holding me is solange's um a seat at the table yeah i don't know why i I guess maybe because of where my mind is and the way i feel like the album came yeah because the album came out in 2016 right around the time of you know, Trump and all of that and stuff. So so there was a lot of there was a lot to be said. But I guess because I've experienced so much in the last four years. Related to the different things right. that Trump has said and done, and then racism, and I'm becoming more aware of it. It just the album hits different um, for me, so I don't know why. And then I also went back to revisit uh, Janelle Monae's mm. um, "Electric Lady" because I feel like that's kind of what's happening in these uh, in these um, protests. Mm. There are a lot of like and it, the, the, there was like this whole conversation in "Electric Lady" about Cindy Mayweather being being different and protesting the way that, you know, androids are being treated and her basically her and the other androids basically yeah. working to take down the system. And so by the time you get to the latest album that she came out with, um, you, you get this conversation that Cindy Mayweather has figured out what she's going to do and how she's going to do it. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, I feel like that album is just kind of a, um, it's a love letter. And I will always say, I think Janelle Monae's music is a love letter to Black queer people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like specifically Electric Lady is just this way of like you starting to understand who you are, what's going on in the world and how you're impacted by that. And I think that, that that's why that album has been, uh, been been sticking for me. And I'll say this and then I'll, I'll let it go. I don't know why, but I feel like I, I hear primetime different now. I don't know what it is. Like, I used to not be a fan hmm. of Miguel, but I just, I don't know. Prime time hits me different now. Hmm. Maybe I needed the time to go by, yeah. but I don't know. Are you a fan of Miguel's music um, or no?
0: I don't, I mean, I don't really, I uh, listen to it if it's on somewhere, but I don't like know it that well. Yeah.
1: It's, I, I'm
0: yeah. not, my music tastes aren't usually for that. Like, he's like a romantic, you know, like all of that. i am yeah. i you can find that in other whatever i'm not like i don't love that in music like that doesn't isn't what i gravitate towards um so uh-huh. i've never really gotten into him but i like him on prime mm-hmm. time
1: okay cool yeah so i just i don't know why maybe because I've, I've grown a little bit i think that that song and then i'm i'm able to listen to it more in terms of musicality mm-hmm. than i did I, I can for just like lyrical content so that's i think it's different for me now as as, as, a, as a more quote-unquote adult um, but that's anyway, weird. that's it for that. Yeah, oh, I also so need to shout that.
0: out. I have been listening to one new I just discovered. Her name's Joy Oladokun. I don't know. I, I don't mm-hmm, know if that's how you say mm-hmm. it. Have you heard of her? O-L-A-D-O-K-U-N. She's like uh-huh. this black queer young girl from Arizona with the acoustic guitar. So good. And there's like kind of doo like old soul influences in it. Um, I just Mm -hmm. heard her for the first time and like downloaded everything that was out there that I could find. And I, I don't know why I hadn't, uh, paid attention or seen her already. Um, but she's great.
1: Yeah, so yeah, they um I've heard of her on another they shouted mm. her out on another podcast that I listened to. Shout out to the Friends zone. They always keep me up to date on who I should be listening to or why. I think I she be lives listening.
0: in LA too now. Mm-hmm. So
1: Yeah. I think they shouted her out on one of their episodes, but um I am familiar. But overall, yes, that's that's kind of where we're at with our pop culture moment. So let's go ahead and get over to this here sandbox and we can kick some sand around. Um, what's on your mind in relation to you making you want to throw some sand well i'm just uh, it's kind
0: of it's kind of related to all the like performative stuff but i'm just like sick of everyone's instagram story (laughs) (laughs) like i get i get it Mm -hmm. but when i click because i don't know why i do i just do it as like like I'm programmed which I guess is what they want you to do mm-hmm. and I like click on the first story and just watch through a couple but I never go through a because I don't and I don't really use Instagram story I'll re I, what's it called reshare when it's not called reblog it's I resharing yeah you just reshare um, it if it you know when my book came out I did a little bit of it and people would post a picture of my book and I'd like reshare it on my Instagram story but I never use it but like now it's you click on someone's Instagram story, and it's literally like the the little boxes are so tiny because they have one that goes like three hundred different things uh-huh. across the top of the thing, and it's all just like amp- resharing other people's posts about the protests, about the whatever, about you know the the news. And I'm just like, what are you doing? No one is really looking at all of these things because then you have to take the time if you go through and you go to that post and then read what the caption is and like no one's doing this it's making you feel good i guess that you're amplifying so many different things but good god um it's just a lot like yeah <laughs> it's your instagram and then you're doing it on your story and then it's like <laughs> I just, too much
1: you're like it's too much Taquina. it's too much yeah it's
0: too much i'm ready to cancel my like fully deactivate Ugh. whatever Facebook account I already had which I never used right and then I'm like I want to get rid of Instagram too but it's like you can't do those things in this day and age right because then you're not connected in any way mm-hmm. but I'm just oh I click on it and I see like 300 things across the front and I just throw my phone across the room. You're like, "Oh I'm my like-
1: god." I yeah, or even when <laughs> you sometimes hit and you have to go back and you realize you're going back after someone has a million of them <laughs> and you're like, "Shit." Like, yeah, so yeah, I get it. Like that's uh, somebody else I know has a thing about like people using a million hashtags on their Instagram like when you post something only using oh, yeah. like 5 to 7 hashtags like there are some people who post like 20 hashtags under a photo and I'm like why like so I get I get it it's Well and very don't valid. even get me
0: started on the like the selfies that then try and make political statements yeah. like I can't you know yeah. that's an older topic but No
1: it's not it's, it's like relevant
0: some white gay showing their ass being like I believe in black love shut the fuck up <laughs> like, I
1: don't care <laughs> No, I get it. Yeah, I've seen... And stop it. posting pictures of you at the beach. Yeah. You're not supposed to be at the beach. Right, right. And so that that is a great way to segue into my gripe this week. Um, so something that's bugging me. So I, um, as you, you may or may not know a couple weeks ago, um, I surprised my partner with going to Big Bear and we went to Big Bear. We Mm -hmm. live. So for folks who may listen and not really know where I stay, I stay in the middle of SoCal. And so basically anything and everything is about an hour away from where I live. Um, and so we went up to the mountains because we were like, Hey, you know, I was just like, I just need to get away. I need to get some air. Blah, 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 blah. So we went up to Big Bear and um, as we were walking around, me and my partner, we're, my partner is very OCD when it comes to like the mask and making sure that um, we kind of are taking care of ourselves with everything. So like even today, I had some plans to go out and I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and stay home um, because I just really don't feel like dealing with being out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But anyway, I say all of this to say that as we got up to where we were going, We noticed that there were a lot of people in the park that didn't have masks on. And on top of that, I was like, okay, I don't mind if you don't care about your life enough tonight. I have on a mask, but don't come near me, right? So please make sure that you keep six feet. So we were getting ready to walk up to, um, we were getting ready to go take some pictures by the water and this family with these little girls ran up to us, you know, because we were asking people like, hey, would you mind taking a photo for us, blah, 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 Right. This family with the little kids runs up to us, and the little girl doesn't have on a mask. And I mean, when she ran up to me, she was like up on me. So I like freaked out because I, I mean, subconsciously I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to die. Right. And the, the the father gets all like, Well, you what's what's your problem, man? Like, ain't nothing wrong with my daughter. What's wrong with your problem? And I'm <laughs> going, sir, you and your family, along with these other 50 people in this park, don't have on a mask. So I have every right to be nervous because the sign that before entering the park clearly says, please have on a mask to protect other people who are in the park. So like, I, I, I think that's just, that's my biggest gripe. It's like, I just don't understand why people don't get it. Like, I don't know why people think that this is just like, is it the whole, cal- the whole American, oh, not me mentality or like, it ain't going to happen to me, girl. Like. I don't get it. Like where's your mask? Where is it? Like why and then and then then this is the other thing, and then I'll let it go. So because I know we're getting ready. We're 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 almost at time. The people who don't wear who wear a mask and then don't wear it right. Your mask is not supposed to be under your nose, sis. (laughs) Your mask is not supposed to be on your chin. Did you see that video of all those people at that party where they have like the mask on their chin? And they have, like, the mask, like, oh, like, they had the mask wrapped around their neck.
0: I don't know if it's, I saw which one you're talking about, but I've seen, yeah. Stupidity. There's been a bunch going around, yeah.
1: So, yes. So, I just, I, I that's my gripe. Like, if you're going to be out, just, just wear a mask for now. Like, it's not, like, it's, it's not hard. It's not a big, like, I understand it's uncomfortable. I understand that it's not fun. But there are a lot of people that you are putting at risk when you don't have on a mask. Yeah. So yeah and
0: we're just gonna see another
1: we're gonna see another spike I whatever
0: t- not to end on a on a mm-hmm. downer note but yeah it's gonna come back <laughs> i
1: already told my husband that i think we're gonna be shut down again by september if not sooner but i definitely believe it's coming so yeah, yeah it is what it is you know profit over people is always a thing here in america so yay profit over people um <laughs> but yeah so do you have anything coming up sis that you want to share with the world Nope. Ha! i feel uh- that <laughs>
0: Let's see, uh, tomorrow I'll be reading on my couch, Thursday I'll be, <laughs>
1: that's, that's a, that's a mood, that's really is a yeah. mood, I feel the same thing, I'm kind of in the same place now where it's like, besides teaching and besides putting like lesson plans and stuff together, um, for things that I need to be doing here down the line, I'm not doing much either, um, but I guess I can take a moment to just tell people, you know, this, you know, specifically for people who are marginalized, whether you be marginalized as a queer person or marginalized as a black queer person, it is so important to take care of yourself in this moment. And when I say take care of yourself, what I mean by that is doing anything and everything by all means necessary to get the care that you need. If it means reaching out to folks to ask them for money for food, if it means reaching out and asking people for help with your mental health, if it means reaching out and asking people for connections to things to to make sure that your needs are met, like please feel free to reach out to us, you know, or specifically even me. I I can't speak for Kevin, but I know for me, okay. I know for me (laughs) in my household, uh, we are definitely here to help folks. So um, you could definitely shoot us an email over at asklearnch at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on social media and we would be happy to help you in making sure that you continue to take care of yourself. But yes, thank you for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. All right, I mean, bye. Bye. <laughs> Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about I can't stand the pressure much longer. Somebody say a prayer. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about me.